You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. All right. And for uh, today's, for your viewing and hearing pleasure, our beautiful pastor, we call her the giant slayer. She's five foot, but she can take any devil down, I guarantee Amen. it. Amen. Amen. So give a good hand clap and honor our pastor. <laughs> Thank you. I always feel like I get ripped off. I don't get a kiss. I mean, I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, I've been praying since December asking the Lord what he wanted the, the uh, theme for this year. And it has been confirmed to me through two other churches that I was, or well, actually CF&I and uh, the church conference that we went to out in Kerrville that we oversee. My message is pressed toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. And I, I just woke up one morning and it was just like he said, this is it. So, I'm moving that way. You know, we're always supposed to be pressing more into Him and knowing Him better. And the way we do it is we make up our minds and do it. And it's not hard. Uh, but the Scripture is Philippians 3, 13, and 14. That's Philippians 3, 13, and 14. You know, we have to be honest with ourselves. That's the one first thing. And we keep our commitments simple. And then we press toward the mark. And so that's Philippians 3, 13, and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. First of all, you have to be honest with yourself. You know, sometimes that's not always easy to do. Uh, we all have room to improve. Even me. You're supposed to laugh. No <laughs> way. Amen. Well, a few months ago, as many of you know, John and I bought a house. And as we're walking through the house, uh, somebody else lived there. So we really didn't get to look at it real good. And so we just walked through, said, we want it, let's do this. And uh, But there were so many things that we did not see, especially me, because I was going to have to do them. And so, you know, but I was tired of 10 months back here in these two, these two rooms, and I was ready to get out of there. But, you know, it, I just didn't see all the stuff that was there because I was so focused on getting there. And, you know, a lot of times we aren't, uh, don't notice the things around us that maybe we should. And, uh, 
But so Sandy Sparks and I got in there, my faithful friend of 40 years, and we painted every inch of the house. And that was a lot because it had a lot of trim, had a lot of character. But it really was the kind of house that I wanted. It was beautiful. It was built in 1933, had a lot of character. I love that. So then my sister Sandy, I have two Sandys. Miss Linda said that's not fair. But I have two Sandys in my life that are a real blessing. My little sister's nine years younger than I am, and she can build a house from the ground up. So she came down to help me lay the floors. And three days later, my 63-year-old body was saying, What were you thinking? <laughs> I had muscle sore I didn't even know I had. Amen. Amen. But... You know, you might not really see where you are if you're driven by anxiety and fear and pressure. You know, we tend to go overboard with our assessments when we're thinking like this. I know years ago, John and I used to work out together, and we're standing in front of this mirror, and all I see is fat. He, on the other hand, 50 pounds overweight, says, I still got it. <laughs> It's somewhere in between there. <laughs> so, but you know what? That'll keep you from being judgmental of other people. I have found that. That if, you know, if we focus more on what we need to be doing and what God has called us to do, then we aren't always examining everyone else. Amen. Uh, you know, keep your commitments simple. Don't try to change everything at once. I know that we have taught pastors because we oversee them is that you don't go in and start changing everything because the people freak out. People don't like change. I'm not quite sure why. I think it's because we're in our comfort zone and we don't want to move. But we always tell our pastors, you know, change one thing the first year and that's it. And so uh, just because you don't want to wrestle God's people. You know, and you don't want them to be mad, and you don't want to be mad. and So just keep everything real simple. Uh, it was in the year 1519. Hernan Cortez, with 600 Spaniards, 16 or so horses, and 11 boats, had landed on a vast inland plateau called Mexico. The Spanish conquistador and his men were about to embark on a conquest of an empire that hoarded some of the world's greatest treasures, gold, silver, and precious Aztec jewels were just some of the treasures that it had to offer whoever succeeded by conquering this place. But with only 600 men, none of whom had encumbered themselves with protective armor, conquering an empire so extensive in its territories could only be undertaken by a man with a death wish. This daring undertaking was made even more insurmountable by the fact that for, that for more than 600 years, anyone who attempted to conquer this, this continent failed. And it was for that reason Hernan Cortez was well aware of this fact, and it was for this reason that he took a different approach. Say different approach. You know, you sometimes you got to think outside the box. Amen. And um, 
as you all know, these doctors that we have taken John to, this last one, they were the ones that figured out what was wrong with him because they figured they were thinking out the, outside the box. They didn't think like the other doctors. And so now we have the answer, and he's getting better every day. So you just got to think outside the box sometimes. Well, he decided, instead of charging through the cities and forcing him, his men to immediately battle, Hernan Cortez stayed on the beach and awoke the souls of his men with melodious canvases in the form of emboldened speeches. His speeches were ingeniously designed to urge on the spirit of adventure and invoke the, the thirst of lifetime of fortune among his troops. His orations bore fruit, for what was supposedly a military exploit now bore the appearance of extravagant romance in the imagination of Cortez's troops. He, he would build them up so much and tell them how wonderful it was going to be when they did conquer this place. And, you know, you need to tell yourself that. Whatever you're going through, don't think negatively. Think of the positive and say, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, when you think positive, your whole life changes. It will change. But ironically, it would only take three words which Cortez murmured that would change the history of the world. As they marched inland to face the, their entire enemies, Cortez ordered them, burn the boats. They had 11 boats out in the ocean. But he told them to burn every one of them. That would freak you out. I mean, you're just thinking, we have to have a way of escape. But you can't think like that. I know that, you know, we've always got to have a backup plan. No, you just got to trust God because he's the one that's going to make the difference, not you. So you need to burn your boats of fear, of insecurities, as what if. You know, when you get that report from the doctor and he gives you no hope, he doesn't have the last say. You do. I, I tell people that all the time. And, I, you know, I talk to a lot of people and I pray for a lot of people. And I do that because I want them to understand that they have the authority of Jesus Christ inside of them, the same, the same authority I have. But I just use it. And you need to use it. You need to not have a backup plan. You need to trust God. Whatever you're facing today, I don't know what it is. But Jesus' name is bigger than that. And he always wants to heal. Amen. There's a place called Las Claritas, Venezuela, years ago. 14,000 people living there, and they were all starving. Gangs were running the streets, stealing whatever was there, which wasn't much. And these people had no hope. So this company from Canada came in, and they said, you know, they gathered the townspeople, and they said, we're going to bring a hundred jobs to this place. 14,000 people, and you're bringing a hundred jo jobs, which is nothing. And that's somebody from the audience yelled that. What good? How is that going to change our lives? But they brought people in, and they tried to better the city. 
Well, then another company from Canada, another place in Canada, decide they're going to come in and they're going to uh, rally their troops and do better than the other team did. But they failed miserably too. Then lo and behold, a geological company comes in here and they do researching and they find that under this city is the largest gold mine in the world. The largest gold mine in the world under their feet. So all these geological companies come in and start fighting over who gets to dig. It still hadn't been dug because nobody would put forth effort. And then they got tangled up in the city, you know, the city laws and nonsense. And they still haven't got it to this day. Wow. You have a gold mine, the riches of Christ inside of you, but you got to dig. You have to dig. You have to take make effort to dig inside of you and spend time with Jesus and see what gift he has placed in you because every one of you have a gift and you're the only one that can do it. You're the only one. There's only one of you. And there will never be another. And he has placed so many beautiful gifts inside of us. And I was telling somebody the other day, I said, that's why we do these plays. It amazes me who is sitting in that audience and the gift that is in them that's not being used until we do this. So we want you to come up with creative ideas and things that you like to do. And, you know, contribute to the church your gift because it will make all the difference in the world. Just keep it simple and keep pressing toward that mark. Uh, there's a young man named Ismail Kerrigan. And this young man was raised in a Muslim home. His mother had previously been a Christian, but then his dad converted her to be a Muslim. And his dad was uh, not a nice man, but he, this young man had a brother and a sister also, and they loved their mother. She was a Filipino lady. And uh, one day, their dad decides he's leaving. Doesn't ask if that's okay, doesn't consider the family. He just decides he's up and leaving and going to a different country to do a job with a friend of his. And so they don't even hear from their dad for a year. Didn't, he didn't send them any money. You know, they, they were starving. And so his mother finally went to a hotel in another town and started working there. And she and the children lived in the basement. And things got a little better, and they were able to find a house. Well, a year and a half later, the dad shows up. And he said, well, I was in prison and I couldn't contact you. I couldn't send you any money and all that. Well, come to find out, he had married another woman and had another family. And then when he told his wife, she was devastated, this wife, this young boy's mother. And so she cried all the time, but the children didn't know why. But Ishmael loved his mama. And so... She would tell him, let's go to church together. She finally got back in church, and, she, and so he would go with her. 
Now, he didn't really understand what church was about because all he had been taught was the Muslim faith. And he had always been taught against Jesus. So, But he still wanted to go with his mom because he didn't want her to go by herself. So they went together and he got to know the pastor. Pastor Larry was his name. And they got to be friends. And the more he listened to the word, the more it started penetrating his heart. And before it was over with, this boy went forward to receive Christ and fell down out of the power of God. And when he woke up, he was speaking in tongues and his whole life had changed. And so this pastor had been talking to him about going to America to a Bible college. And he said, I, I just don't know how I could ever do that. He said, well, we're going to work together and get you there. And so in the meantime, his dad comes back in their life again because he had heard rumors. And his cousin came over to see him, and they were saying, uh, well, he said, well, I'm going to America. And they said, why are you going? And he goes, well, I'm going to be a mechanic. Because he knew if he told his Muslim dad he was going to a Christian college, that was never going to work. So his cousin said, I want to see the website. And he goes, no, 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 it's, it's okay. You know, you, you don't, you'll find out once I get over there and all that. Well, his dad found out and absolutely forbid him to go. Told him he could never go and he would never allow it. Now, I don't know if you know what the Muslim faith is like. It's pretty brutal. And so uh, he would beat Ishmael's mother because she had taken him to church and she had got these crazy ideas in his head. But like I said, Ishmael loved his mother and he was determined he was going to go to America. And so he kept pressing toward that mark. Pressing, pressing. Didn't matter what they were saying, he kept pressing because he knew this is where he had to go. And so uh, he had gotten his uh, visa and his money and he had gotten some clothes with the pastors. There were actually two pastors that helped him. And so he decided, this is the day I'm going. And so his dad found out about it. You know, and I'm just picturing this kid running, trying to get away, and this pastor hiding him, and all these things, but yet he continued to press. He continued to press toward the mark of where he knew he needed to go. So his dad found out what airport he was going to, gets in his car, and Pastor Larry and Ishmael are on their way to the airport. Well, unbeknownst to his dad, which he wasn't very smart, he didn't realize they were going to an international airport, and he went to the domestic airport. I believe God confused him, you know. Thank God. (laughs) So this boy is pressing. He's pressing toward this mark to get there. And you know, I can just picture all the anxiety this kid is going through because before it was over, he gets to the airport. All he has is his visa, a few dollars that this church has raised to help him, and he gets on the plane, pressing toward that mark. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm determined. I'm going to this Bible college in America. And... Uh, Finally, they got him away. He's on the plane. 
has no clue where he's going. I mean, he knows where he's going, but he's never been there. But he's pressing. He's pressing toward that mark. Well, the, land, the plane lands, and he gets out, goes into the lobby, and there's these new pastors that have come to meet him. And they take him, and they buy him clothes, and they give him money, and they take him to the Bible school. And this semester, Ishmael Carrigan is setting at Christ for the Nations to be able to go to school. It was such a sweet story. Thank you, sweetheart. It was such a moving story to know what this kid went through to get there. But there's many stories like that sitting in that audience every semester. Uh, John has a secretary that escaped from Vietnam. And she left all her family. She left everything she had just to come to Bible school to know who God is more. You know, we sit in our comfort zones and we come in here every Sunday and Wednesday and we think we're doing our due. And you are. But the thing is, that gift in you needs to be presented to the church because we need you. We need you. Dr. John and I need you. I mean, we have so many volunteers in this church and I am so grateful for that because when I tell people these other churches that we oversee, when I tell them about you, they just shake their heads and say, you've got one of the greatest churches there is. And I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. But we just continue to press toward the mark. And I want that to be your theme this year. I, um, I get up every morning early because I don't want Dr. John bothering me while I'm reading. <laughs> Because now that he's getting better, he wants to talk all the time, which I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Used to, I was telling him to be quiet. Now I'm saying, talk, talk, talk. <laughs> you never know what you have till you don't have it anymore. Amen. Amen. Well, our son, Brandon, recently was at uh, his children attend um, Wimberley schools, three of his kids. The other two have graduated. And uh, they were at the playoff game between Wimberley and Coero. I hope I said that right. At the quarterfinals. Now, Wimberley is one of the best schools with football all around. I mean, they are the number one team. And uh, anyway, so they're out there playing. And uh, this young man gets hurt for the Wimberley team. He's down. And the whole audience goes silent because he's not moving. It, Brandon said it was just eerily quiet because nobody was saying anything. But all the coaches, both sides, and all the players on both sides take a knee and start praying for this boy. And in that silence, all of a sudden... <clears throat> This voice comes out, and it's from the opposing team. And it sounds like an African-American lady. If you know anything about Wimberley, there are no. It's an all-white town. But this lady says, 
Come on, baby, get up. Come on, baby, get up. Nobody said a word. She said it again. Come on, baby, get up. She said it over and over. And I, I, it just seemed, like, Brandon said it seemed like hours went by. I know it didn't, but that's what it felt like because this kid just was not getting up. But she kept speaking to him to get up. Get up. Come on, baby. Get up. And then he did. <laughs> Brandon said the hair, he said every hair on my body <laughs> stood up. He said it was such a spine tingling moment. Wimberly won 36 to 31. <laughs> I don't know if her team was happy about that or not. <laughs> but you know, when you get knocked down and your face is in the dirt, when you get through crying, if you will just listen, you will hear that voice calling out to you. Come on, baby, get up. Amen. You'll hear Joseph from his own brother's pit crying out. Come on, baby, get up. He had no hope, but he got up. And you'll hear Esther crying. Come on, baby, get up. We're on the brink of annihilation, but we're getting up. Her whole race was about to be annihilated. And you'll hear Daniel screaming from the lion's den. Come on, baby, get up. You'll hear Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego from that fiery furnace they were facing saying, come on, baby, get up. Amen. You'll hear the voice of the father as he calls out to his only son, Jesus, in the grave after having been tortured to death by Roman crucifixion. Come on, baby, get up. Okay, so your husband's a jerk. Come on, baby. You can do this. Get up. Okay, so your boss doesn't appreciate you. Come on, baby, get up. You can do it. The doctor says it doesn't look good. Come on, baby, get up. Okay, life doesn't play fair. But I say to you, come on, baby, get up. No matter what you're facing, we have Christ on our side. And if we have him on our side, that's all we need. That's all we need is to look to him. Like I said, I get up early every morning and read the word. It's the first thing I do. And if I don't do that, that day is pretty much miserable. I can just pretty much count on it. But, but I know, you know, because you get up and you get started and then you realize you hadn't read the word and things are going crazy and you go, Oh, yeah. I need to go sit down and read and spend time with Jesus. You know, he wants a relationship with every one of you. He loves you, and he only wants good for your life. And if you don't get anything else out of this sermon today, I want you to know that. He loves you just like, you're, just like you are. Yeah, but you don't know. I don't care. He doesn't see that. He doesn't see that. If you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior... There is no, your slate is clean because of the finished work of Christ. Your slate is clean. Every morning he gives us new mercies. 
Isn't that wonderful? I mean, what, what God does that? Nobody but ours. Because he loves us and he only wants good for our lives. I just love my Jesus more than I can ever tell you, but I tell him all the time. I'm forever grateful because every good and perfect gift that has come down in my life has come from him. And, you know, John and I used to, every night, we decided we were going to thank God for a hundred things. And you just think, I don't know if I can come up with that many. Trust me. Each day, he brings so many more than a hundred great things in your life. I mean, when I was so sick before I had to have brain surgery, and then after I did, I woke up every day and I said, thank you, Jesus. I have a sound mind. Thank you, Jesus. Today I can walk. Thank you, Jesus. Today I can think. Because there was a time I couldn't. Thank you, Jesus, that all my children serve you. Thank you, Jesus, that all my grandchildren serve you. Thank you, Jesus. They're all healthy. There's no diseases. Yeah, I mean, you have plenty to be thankful to God about. Thank you, Jesus, that we have a great church. And that's, that's another thing I would like for you to get on board with me about is to love the house of God. You know, this is where your lives change. When you come in and get fed with the Word of God and you're able to go out into that world, but love this place. I mean, we're in America, and I know there's churches on every corner, but there are so many countries that don't have this. And you can come in here and worship your God freely and not have to worry about an army coming in and shutting you down and killing you because that's what they do in other countries. I'm so thankful to him because we have this. I'm so grateful. My family came from Germany. They crossed that ocean and came here. And I'm so glad I'm an American. And so, I mean, there's just so many things to be thankful for. Your mate, your siblings, your parents, your children. Just tell him how much you love him and thank him for it every day. You know, there's nothing like a grateful heart. You know, don't don't you hate it when your kids just come up and say, you know, I need money. Uh, how about we could rephrase that? May I have some money? I I love you, Mother. I, I need some money, and I would like to have some money. And I'm more than likely to say, okay, you can have it. But when they come demanding, it's just real hard. But God's heart's the same way. He loves for us to come and say, Father, I thank you for this beautiful day that you've given me. And I just ask that you guide my steps today. Lead me to someone that I can lead to Christ, that their life will be forever changed. Don't you love him? I know I do. And, you know, Dr. John and I have been walking out his healing. It's going on three years now. And um, it hasn't gone like what we thought it would. It just hasn't. But you know what? He's getting better every day. Uh, when he went back to school this semester, the students were just blown away because last semester it was not good. But we're watching this miracle play out, and so are you. And you remember in the beginning, he told you this is what was going to happen. He said, you're going to watch me walk this out. And because of that, he has given you the courage and the faith to believe God that whatever you're facing, you can walk it out. It, it's called a walk of faith. 
It's not, you know, one step. Sometimes it's a lot of steps. And we don't always understand that, but it's not God that's brought it. That's the main thing you have to understand. God is not your enemy. He never has been. When he sent Jesus to that cross, Jesus said, it is finished. There's nothing for you to do but believe. And so, as you're believing, keep pressing toward that mark that he's called you to. I don't know what it is, but you do. You know, sometimes people say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, what do you want to do? Uh, Mariah said this to me two or three years ago. I don't know. I'm afraid I'm going to miss the will of God. What do you enjoy doing? That's his will. Whatever you enjoy doing, he put that gift in you. Amen. Yes. That is your gift. Use it. Whatever it takes, use that gift that God has placed in you. Amen. And keep pressing toward that mark. So in conclusion, number one, be honest with yourself. I count not myself to have apprehended. Number two, keep your commitment simple. This one thing, not 19 things, one thing I do. And number three, press toward the mark. God bless you.